<laughs> now, hey, we're starting this brand new series this morning, which we call uh, Greater Than. Uh, and I'm really excited about this series. And this morning, I'm really going to be speaking to you single people here in the room. Now, married, you don't want to be left out either. So hopefully that you'll grab some nuggets and well. And, and maybe you have kids that uh, you want to talk about the birds and the bees with, right? I don't know. We've all had those awkward conversations with our parents. I was talking to one of our worship team members earlier. And he said his conversation went something like this. The bee stung the bird. <laughs> And then the bird swelled up. <laughs> that was his talk. So I don't know about you. Maybe you had a really awkward conversation with one of your parents at one point in time. Maybe it went something like this, where it was like, uh, uh, well, you're 16 now, and we got to talk about sex. You know about it? Yeah. All right, see you later. Maybe it went something like that. Uh, but we're going to talk about a very important topic this morning, something that's very uh, uh, important to me and is very important to God. And, and, and many of us have, you know, maybe we've grown up in church and, and we kind of got this one idea of maybe what sex is or, or whatever it is. Or maybe some of you didn't grow up in church and you're not really sure about what this is. But here's what this series is about is we're going to take a fresh look at sexuality, at love at lust and singleness. And here's my hope in this series. My, my hope is that our purpose becomes more clear. God's promises are revealed and that no matter what happens in your life, you'll know that Jesus is greater than anything that you may face. And this is really why we hold this event called P4 each year. It's for our, our, our junior high and senior high students. We, we call it P4. It stands for Porn, Purity, Purpose, and Promise. And here's what happened. One day I'm sitting at my desk and I'm reading my Bible and I'm praying. And I really felt like the Lord laid something on my heart that said, hey, you need to talk to guys about pornography. That's what God uh, really, I felt like he said, I was okay. I need to do that. And so as I started praying and thinking more about it, this, this whole thing really started to well up inside me. It goes, you know, this, this is bigger than just porn. It's bigger than just porn. And so as I started processing that, I felt like I want to just do this event for young people that they would come to it and it would be this fresh look at sexuality. And they would, they would come and have fun. They would, they would laugh. They would experience wonderful music. And most of all, they would experience Jesus. And then they would know as they leave that Jesus is greater than what they're dealing with. That Jesus is greater than porn. That Jesus is greater than uh, the, the things that they're facing. And so we've done this each uh, and every year over the last couple of years. And so we're holding P4 this Wednesday night here at the church at 645. And it's for junior high and senior high students. I just want to encourage you to come. And parents, we also have a, a parent class that's in a separate part of the building. Please come to it. Uh, uh, it, it is one of the highlights of the year for us. And so um, with that, we're going to kind of dive in, all right? So first thing that we need to know as we dive into this incredibly sensitive topic around sex and sexuality is we need to know that God created sex. God created sex. This is what Genesis 1, 27 through 28 says. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. 
as God created our entire world, right? He created the birds and he created the bees and he created the birds and the bees, you know? God created everything. And as he's creating everything, he says, I have this wonderful idea. I have this wonderful idea. And in that, he created man and he created woman and he created sex. And he created it to be this wonderful thing to be shared between two people, a husband and a wife. God designed this to be an amazing gift to humanity, and he gave it to them. And he said, enjoy it, it's gonna be great. And and the Bible says when he finished, he said that it was very good. This also means that God created our sexual desire. Yes, even that incredibly awkward stage as a junior higher. He created that, he created our sexual desire. Most of us probably grew up in a church environment that people just said, hey, the Bible says don't have sex, so don't ever do it, all right? You know, we don't, we don't like that kind of stuff. Or maybe you, grew, you didn't grow up in church and you've just kind of been taught about, you know, what the, or, or what the world says, this and that. And so I just think of these kids, you know, that, that come and they don't really know what the church says about it. And they think, well, maybe Adam and Eve, they must have invented it, right? They're the first humans. They were probably playing a casual game of Twister. And they figured out something that just felt really good. And they're like, well, we should just keep doing this. No, that's not what happened at all. God specifically designed it. He created it, and he said it was a very good thing. Very good thing. And the Christian community over the last decades, 100 years, not really sure, for a while now, has really shied away from this topic. That have really just said, you know, it's just bad, stay away from it, don't talk to your kids about it. If you talk to your kids about sex, they'll have sex. And if you talk to singles about sex, they'll go have sex or whatever it may be. And so really shied away. And so ultimately what then has happened is is the church has just said sex is bad. And then people learn about sex through the public school system. They learn about sex through their friends. They learn about sex through their health and wellness class at the community college. They learn about sex through TV, movies, books, magazines. That's where we learn about sex these days. And parents, let me tell you this. This part's directed to you, okay? It is your obligation to teach your kids about sex. It is your obligation to not just say, you know what, I'm going to let that one pass me by. And I'm going to have maybe this one super awkward conversation about, hey, are you using protection? And then I'm just going to let everyone else kind of figure it out. It is your obligation to train your children to show them God's plan, God's purpose, and to never allow just the public school system to teach your kids about sex, to never allow just a a, a magazine to teach your girls about sex. Never allow that. Show them what the Bible says. Show them that it's a really good thing. Model it in your marriage on how your marriage is wonderful and that how two people can come together and talk about it, okay? It is your obligation. And today, the result of this is we see it everywhere, right? We see it in the movies, we see it in TV, we see it in magazines, the whole thing. And I can't tell you how many young people I talk to, junior high students, high school students, college age students, young adults, and older, 
Where they say like, well, as long as you just love them, it's okay. Or, you know what, we're married in our heart, right? It's fine as long as we're married in our heart. Or you, you, you'll know it when it's the right time in the right place. Like when should you have sex? You'll just know, you'll know it's the right person. It was just one night. Like, come on, we were just having fun. Or, or I've heard this one, like, I'm not trying to hurt anyone. No one got hurt at all. It was great and wonderful. Was, come on, we're just friends with benefits. Or, hey, it was just strictly physical, right? It was just strictly physical. That's all it was. Like, no one got hurt. Just a good time. Like, what's the big deal? But is sex really just strictly physical? And I've heard this too many times, okay? That, that it's just no big deal. It's just physical. I'm not trying to hurt anyone. And sex can be treated like it's just, you know, sex is sex. It's like a, it's like a game of ping pong, right? You're just having fun. Or it's like a game of touch football. Or I guess more like tackle football where you just try and stay on the ground as long as you can, right? Like sex is just a game. It's just, it's just physical. It's not a big deal. Can I just tell everyone here right now in singles, sex is not just physical. Sex is not just physical. It is deeply connected to your personhood. It is deeply connected to your heart. It is deeply connected to your soul. That is how God designed it when he created it. He designed it that it would not just be physical. It would be deeply connected. Maybe you're sitting here thinking like, whatever, man. I don't know if I exactly believe that. Or maybe you're not even a Christian and maybe you have so much stuff going around in your head. And, and you know what? I probably can't answer all your questions this morning, nor can I probably alleviate like any awkwardness that maybe you feel right now. But here's what I'll, I'll, I'll ask you to think about, okay? So if you don't really think this, that you know, it, it's really connected to you, let me ask you this. Then why, why when a, a, a child gets sexually abused is it so hard to shake when they get older? If it's just physical, why is it so hard when a child gets sexually abused? It is so hard to shake as they get older. Why is that? Why is it when you, if you were to talk to a counselor and talk to them about you know, uh, 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 older people who deal with uh, big issues in their life, why is it always uh, or many times connected to something like that? Is it just physical? Why does it shape parts of people's being and personhood as they grow up? Why does it affect the, the innermost part of your life? Our sexuality is fragile. That's how God created it. That's how God designed it. When God created sex, he created it that it would be very special. That he incorporated this very important aspect of sex that is called intimacy called intimacy, which this is what it means, to know and to be fully known. Our sexuality was created by God. And as he's creating everything, he comes up with this idea that he says, you know what, I'm gonna give it to the cats and cows and dogs. I'm gonna give it to every, all these animals and everything. But with the uh, humans, it's gonna be different. It's not just gonna be about procreation and making more people. That there's gonna be this aspect involved that is called intimacy. That it's going to be this gift to humanity that two people can come together and they can experience something wonderful that's, that's beyond just physical. That two people can come together, they can experience this thing called intimacy, which is to know and to be fully known. And really, it's a representation 
of our relationship with God, that we would know and be fully known by God, that we would experience intimacy in life. We would experience intimacy in this world. And we'd experience the deepest parts of that through sex. That we would completely know, or someone would completely know who I am. My wife would know who I am. There'd be no comparison, there'd be no shame. There, it would be wonderful, it would be passionate, it would be fragile, it would be powerful, and it would be fearless. It's a representation of what God wants to see in our relationship with him, that we'd have an intimate relationship with him that would be wonderful, it'd be passionate, it would be powerful, it would be fearless. We wouldn't compare. We, we want to get to know and be fully known by God. And so he gave this thing to the human race and said, this is going to be wonderful, but it's going to be fragile. It's going to be really fragile. And it's going to be so deeply connected to who you are. But you know what? Many people don't know this. They think they can do whatever they want with their body. They can do whatever they want with their life. And guys, and guys ultimately detach intimacy and sex through multiple partners, through pornography. And when they get married, they feel like, I, I can't find intimacy in sex. And then they wonder, well, there must be something wrong with my wife. I can't find intimacy. Or, or, or ladies, uh, maybe uh, uh, as you get older, you, know, you become numb to intimacy. Through sex, you just become numb to that. And then as, as you get married and you grow older, you wonder, why can't your husband awaken this thing inside of you? And then this leads down this road where two people, they feel like, well, maybe I married the wrong person, which is another myth in which we can't cover today. It's easy to think I can do whatever I want with my body, just having fun, strictly physical, you know, whatever that may mean. And then we think one day I'll meet the right person, I wanna spend the rest of my life with this person, and I'll think that everything will just be fine. Everything will just work out. At the end of the day, not only um, are, are, is that not true, but you're actually hurting yourself. You're actually hurting yourself. And the Bible talks about this. But you have the opportunity. Uh, today, young people, single people, you have the opportunity to go down a different road. Where you saw your parents' marriage not work and fail, where you, or maybe you saw your parents' marriage, that it was awesome and it was great, you have the opportunity to start going down the road of having that wonderful marriage, to experience sex in the way that God intended it and created it would be. It would be absolutely incredible. But you cannot believe the lie of culture. Because sin, when sin entered the world, it distorted uh, the, the purpose of sex. God created it, and, 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 uh, and then sin distorted it. And maybe you're thinking like, hey, you're just a religious person. Like, you know, that's just what you're, the, Bible, the Bible says, but I'm not really religious or whatever. Like, I'm not a religious person. Can I just tell you that religion uh, primarily over the years, over the course of history, has not valued marital fidelity. Religion over, the, over, over history has never valued marital fidelity. You, you can go back and look at stuff. You can look at the Romans. You can look at you know, the people in the Bible and before that. Religion really never valued marital fidelity. And, and it really wasn't until Moses was, went on top of that mountain and God gave him the Ten Commandments. And uh, it, it said to, uh, to do this. You know, don't, don't go uh, have an affair, essentially. Don't, don't, don't go do that. Like, save it for your wife or your husband. And then Moses comes down and he tells everyone this. And it's like, okay. 
That's strange. But I mean, just imagine if you're Moses and you're on top of the mountain, you're about to get the Ten Commandments, and you knew that it was all a sham, right? You knew it was a big sham. You were just leading people through the desert, hoping that, you know, something was going to happen. You knew it was all a sham. Would you not come down from the mountain? And come on, guys. You, you know this is true. You would come down from the mountain in a way that twists that. Just like you look at the cults today, you look at various other religions over the course of history has never valued marital fidelity. And so what God says is he says to Moses, he says, this is my purpose, is that a husband and a wife would value this and they would experience romance in their marriage through exclusivity. That is what my purpose is. We cannot believe the lie of culture. Man's desire has always been to twist God's purpose for it. It's no big deal. And the Apostle Paul, he saw this, right? He went into the city of Corinth and he went into the city of Ephesus and he went to you know, these Greek people and Roman people and they did not value the uh, uh, marital fidelity. They did not value that. And so he goes into these places, Paul's going to these places and he goes, I thought people knew this. I thought Moses had already talked about, I thought people knew this and he realized people don't know that. People don't realize that it's not just physical. And so he goes to, uh, uh, as he's traveling around, he does this and he writes these letters to, the, to the, uh, the Corinthian people and they read this and they're like, what, really? And this is what he says in 1 Corinthians 6, 18. He says, flee from sexual immorality. He says, all other sins, all other sins, everything else, every other kind of sin, a person commits or outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. What Paul's saying is all other sins are outside of your personhood. But this one you're committing is against yourself. You're actually hurting yourself when you do that. It's so connected to your personhood and your soul that it's not physical. As Paul goes into, into the city of Corinth, he's saying, I know that you, this is what you believe. I know that this is what you think. But really, it's not just physical. It's not just physical. You're, God says you're valued far more than that. Imagine this, that if your son or daughter comes to you and they say, hey, I want to start having sex. And you just say, okay, well, I guess just use protection. You know what else to say? Well, as long as you're using protection, I guess, like, it's, it'll be okay. Imagine this, though. That your daughter comes to you, and, and, and you had given your daughter a million-dollar inheritance. You had worked hard for it. You, realize, you know how valuable it is. And then your daughter came to you and said, Hey, I want to give my million dollars to my boyfriend, Johnny. Is that okay? You'd be like, No way. You wouldn't go, well, as long as he puts it in a very protected IRA that's a long-term investment. <laughs> I guess, you know, it's, it's probably fine as long as he takes care of it. You, he can have it. You, he can have that. No, and do you not know how much more valuable you are than just money? It's not just physical. Paul says it's something that happens on the inside that you're hurting yourself. You're hurting yourself. And he also says... Do you not know that, that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is says, the two will become one flesh. 
And so the people are reading this and going, no, what are you talking about? Like, I, I was just going down to the temple and I did this like little, I paid a little fee. I did this religious ceremony and we just had sex. Like, it's not, it's not that big of a deal, right? He's saying no. He goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. And he says, do you not know that when two people do this, that you become one? There's this interlocking that, that happens that you can't just, it doesn't, doesn't just like go back and forth and it's whatever. Like, it's not just a game that, that when two people become one. There's something that happens on the inside of you. It's not just physical. These two people that are joining together. And it's affecting your intimacy down the road. Paul goes on, he says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, here's the application, honor God with your bodies. If you are a Christian, your body is inhabited by the Holy Spirit. Your body is inhabited by God. Your body isn't your own anymore because when Jesus died and you gave your life to him and you, and you were eternally saved, you were purchased. You were bought. You were redeemed. You were saved. So the application of that is that you would honor God with your body, that you would save those intimate areas between him and a spouse. So how do you do that? How do you do How do you honor God with your body? If you're a single person, how do you honor God? Well, you ask, hey, I'm a high school student, Lord. What, what, what would you want me to do? Or, you know, I, I'm in a sorority or a fraternity. Like, what, God, what would you want me to do? I, I'm recently divorced. God, what would you want me to do with this? You honor God with your sexuality. That's the application. Now, you might be thinking, you know, that's good for you. That's not good for me. Because you know what? That's your preference. And, you know, I have a different, you know, and, and this is your preference. And I think something a little bit differently. I, you know, I read into those scriptures differently than you do. I don't know. I have a different, you know, take on that. Um, if it was just a matter of preference, it would be like, well, that's your kind of music, and I like this kind of music. Or you like that kind of art, I like this kind of art. Um, and there would be no predictable outcome of that. But, or, or what about this? You like fatty, starchy foods. I like fruits and vegetables. There's a predictable outcome between that. It's not just a preference. There's a predictable outcome that when, uh, if you go down this road, there's a predictable outcome of something that'll happen on the inside of you because God designed it that way. It's not preference, it is God designed. And God designed it between a husband and a wife. And outside of that, it, uh, it, um, it, it, there's a predictable outcome of what can happen in someone's life. And it's to be enjoyed. God says, it's between these two people and it's to be enjoyed there. When people are joined together, it's better. My, my plan for you, my plan and purpose for sex is greater than what you may think. My plan, my purpose for sex, it is better. And it's better when you're together with a, a husband or a wife. Sex is always gonna feel good, okay? It's always gonna be good. But God says it's far better. You'll experience so much more in life. You'll experience so much more intimacy in, in your life uh, as you enter into this kind of covenant and as you wait. God's purpose and plan for sex is worth waiting for. Jesus says this in Matthew 19. He says, haven't you read the scriptures? They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. 
This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. There is that again. You're united into one. There's something that happens that's not just physical. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Remember what Paul said about that prostitute, that there's something that happens. And God says, here's how it is supposed to happen between a husband and a wife. And then what, when you join that together, that is the purpose of it. You will experience intimacy and something far greater. My plan, my purpose is worth waiting for. So let me ask you this, single people. What will your story be? What will your story be? There will come a day where you'll find the person you want to spend the rest of your life with and you'll have a, sh- a story to share. You'll have a story to share and your story could be this. I was in high school, lost my virginity, virginity uh, on prom. Then I went to college, I joined a sorority and we were just having fun, you know. Uh, uh, those you know, couple nights that I you know, got drunk and I did this, did that. And I graduated college, I moved in with my, with my boyfriend or I moved in with my girlfriend, you know, we were just having fun and you know, it was really good during the time and um, you know, I was just getting practice for later or whatever, you know. And then one day you'll think, you come to this person and you'll say, hey, but you know what? I'm turning a new leaf. I'm, I'm all changed for you. It's all, it's different now. Your story could be that. Or your story could be, hey, I was sitting, I was young, I was single. And I was sitting uh, at church one day. And I felt like God was speaking to me. And I, and I felt like, you know what, I, I, I want to wait for God's purpose. I want to wait for his plan. I want to wait for the right person. So I'm going to change what, how I'm living. I'm going to change some things in which I'm doing stuff. I'm going I'm to honor God with my body. And I'm going to honor him. And I'm going to wait for the right person that he brings along. And, you know, I'm going to start living and, and dating with you in mind. And that's what I did. As you, as you look across, you say, I started living and dating with you in mind. And that's what I started doing. I've been preparing for you, and I've been waiting for you. That could be your story. So in order to do this, to have a story like that, you might have to make some changes. You might have to set some boundaries. It may not be easier, but it is better. You're going to have to predetermine your own outcome when it comes to this. You don't want to wait till you're getting carpet burns on the ground to figure out what your boundaries are, all right? You're going to want to predetermine the outcome. You're going to want to set the boundaries far in advance. Just like you would set a budget, right? That when you go to the store, you know how much you have to spend, and then that is it. You're not going to spend over. And, and the same is with this. You're going to predetermine what your outcome is. I'm going to set a boundary. I'm not going to stay out with this person uh, late at night. I, I, I'm not going to go beyond this with them. I'm not going to, I'm not going to move where I start getting uh, too sexually aroused. I'm going to you know, stop at kissing and maybe that's it or you know, whatever. Maybe, maybe it's not even kissing for you. I'm not really sure. But I'm going to stop there so I don't go down this road. You're going to have to set some boundaries if you want to do that. If you want to have a story to tell to the person that you said, I started and I started preparing for you long ago. I started dating with you in mind. You may be sitting here thinking like, well, that's, that's a, too big of a sacrifice. That's a huge sacrifice for me to do, to wait years and years to like, and honor God with my body and this whole thing. Let me just tell you, that's simply not true. It's not a sacrifice if you wait. Just like if you set a budget and you say no to some things and you set this one thing aside, that's actually called an investment. It's not a sacrifice. It's an investment 
for a larger return later. And when you invest into that person, and when you invest now into that, you will experience what God intended it to be, a very much larger return for later. And you're gonna look, be able to look to the person and say, here's my story. I've been investing and investing and investing for this relationship to happen. And I cannot wait until we get married because there is gonna be a massive return on what I set aside. What will your story be? God designed sex. He made it deeply connected to our personhood. And he has you in mind and he wants you to enjoy it. And God wants to help you write a story that is far better. He wants to help you write a story that is greater than wants to help you write a story that's greater than what your story might be today. And you know what? Here's the thing. There might be some people in the room that don't have the story that I just shared. And I want to let you know that God loves you and he forgives you and your story can be brand new today. Just because something happened years ago or last night, your story can be brand new today. And Pastor Glendy's gonna talk a lot about that in, a, in two weeks. But today, for those of you who might want a different story, or those of you today that wanna make sure that you have the story that I talked about, we're gonna pray and we're gonna ask God for that this morning. Let's do that. God, we just, uh, we come before you this morning. Many of us in uh, a vast uh, array of different situations in life, many of us with different uh, uh, circumstances, many of us with different experiences, Lord. God, and I just uh, pray for the person here. And if that's you, that you know that you want a different story, I just want you to uh, pray this prayer. God, forgive me, Lord. God, change my heart. I've been trying to write my own story. I've been trying to do this on my own. Lord, and I want to honor you. God, I want that larger return for later. I want for what I invest in for it to count and for it to uh, uh, reap benefits. God, would you rewrite my story today? God, forgive me. Give me your grace. And those of you in here who want that story that I talked about, where you're able to look at someone and say, I've been preparing for you and investing for you. Maybe you haven't started dating yet, or maybe you have, or whatever it may be. Let's just pray and let's just ask God, 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 help us set healthy boundaries. God, uh, give us the right mindset. Lord, give us courage to step out when we know it's gonna be hard. Lord, I just pray for the young people in this room, Lord, that their story would be so different from people's in the past. God, I pray that their story 
would look differently from maybe the, the, the messed up parents that they saw. God, we want a story that's about you. We know that your story for us is far greater than what we know, and it is worth waiting for. We just love you and thank you, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, we thank you so much for finding North Church Sermons Online, and we hope that the message today brought value and enrichment to your life. If you'd like to participate in the giving of this ministry, there's a couple of easy ways for you to do that. You can text the word NORTH to 77977 and receive a text back and get your online giving set up in under 60 seconds. Or else you can visit us online at northchurch.net and click on Give Online and participating in the things that God's doing right here at North Church. We thank you so much for joining us. God bless.